0: Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 28, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg.
1: Hey, folks. Welcome. Episode 28 of the Kickoff podcast for Major League Rugby. Dan Power with you alongside Pete Steinberg, my co-commentator. And Pete, big week in Major League Rugby. We had four massive games on the weekend. You're on the road yet again for work. But uh, thanks for staying up late and joining us again, my friend.
2: No problem. I am calling um, from New York City. I am in the Algonquin Hotel, 44th Street. It is a beautiful um, hotel from the 1920s. The lobby still looks like it's from the 1920s. And sometimes the Wi-Fi feels like it's from the 1920s, Then, So um, hopefully it can hold up tonight for the podcast.
1: Hopefully someone on their uh stationary bike powering the wi-fi <laughs> there the dial-up connection right. tonight so let's talk a little bit about uh, travel tip mate i'll uh, i'll take this one even though you are on the road i actually had a little staycation on the weekend and uh, as the listeners know you and i both travel quite a bit for work and for major league rugby so family sometimes takes a back seat so here's my travel tip when you get a chance to uh involve the family in one of your work trips Involved them. I brought the, the wife and kids down to the hotel. We were just outside Denver, and we did a little staycation down at the hotel as I uh, plugged through the work, and it uh, worked out really well. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I, uh,
2: um, oh, I think my Wi-Fi is already playing up. But the uh, um, no, I, I I love doing that. I love it when when the family comes. It makes it um, uh, a little bit easier for these long, lonely nights when you're sitting alone in your hotel room. But of course, Dan. I have you to keep me company to, um, tonight. So it's oh, We are that. like family. Mate,
1: normally we'd do the review of the games here, but I'm sure most of the listeners saw during the week that Major League Rugby put out uh, a tease for an announcement for 2020, and we're very, very fortunate to have operations and marketing manager Nish Nereyeth on the line with us who uh, is going to talk us through what the announcement is and what it means to the landscape of Major League Rugby for 2020. Nish? Thanks a lot for joining the show, mate. Really, really happy you could join us.
0: No, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, Really enjoy the podcast. I'm a fan. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, big, big exciting news for us, obviously. Now, now before,
2: before we get there, Nish, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and what your role is right now?
0: Sure. So, um, grew up in India. Um, Rugby is a tiny sport there, but I fell into it and um, ended up working for for Rugby India for a couple of years. Uh, played on the on the national team as well for for one tournament. Um, came over to, to to UMass to study sport management, um, and then um, came down to New York City two years into that program. Um, I, I also interned with USA Rugby, so that was a good introduction to the American rugby landscape. Um, I was playing touch rugby at Prospect Park, and I ran into James Kennedy, who's the owner of uh, of Rooney. Um, I was employee number one there, uh, worked there for about a year and uh, year and a bit, um, took them through their their exhibition season, and then uh, switched over to the league. Um, always wanted to work for a league uh, or, a, or a governing body and so uh, the opportunity presented itself and, and and i grabbed it um so i i, I work on a um, we're, we're a small team as you guys know um so i'm really fortunate uh, to get to work on a lot of different things um, but uh, but but primarily um, I work on on the competition and and some aspects of, of marketing and broadcast as well
1: well, Nish, the anticipation's killing me. Let's just dive into it: what the announcement is, and what we are looking forward to for 2020.
0: Sure, Dan. Um, so, so, so we we moved from nine teams to twelve teams. Um, obviously, fans would would already know that the teams coming in are Atlanta, Boston, and DC, um, and that gave us the opportunity to to split it up and go to two conferences. Um, so we're going to have an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. Um, we're going to play the, the same, same length of season. So we're still going to have 16 games, um, but we're going we're to start a little bit later. As you guys have seen, the, uh, we've had some interesting uh, weather challenges in, in some of the states. Um, and so, so we thought moving the season a little bit would, uh, would help. Um so we're going to have a 17 week season with 16 games in total. Uh we're going to have 10 games in conference, so you play everyone in your conference home and away. And then we have um six games out of conference and you you you'll play a mix of three home, three away um one year, and then and then we'll flip it around the next year. Um, we love it um, at the leave office. Where we love that it's nice and balanced. Um, I, I think it gives us an opportunity to um, to, to to build the li- rivalries, um, that, that both on the east and west coast. They're already happening with New York and Toronto, and New York and Boston, um, and similarly Salt Lake and Denver. Um, uh, excuse me, Glendale and Utah. Um, and, and so I think just building on those, uh, we we, we like the, the fact that this, uh, this becomes a little more, uh, buttoned up, um, and we didn't have to go to an unbalanced schedule.
2: Great. Well, can you, um, I'm not sure I saw that that's a great explanation, but we need to know the conferences. So, um, it sounds like the conferences will be regional. So tell us uh, which team is in each conference. I'm sure the fans are going to want to know where those rivalries are.
0: Sure. So, um, yeah, so it's it's Tor- the, the Eastern Conference will be Toronto, Boston, New York, um, D.C., Atlanta and New Orleans. And then the Western Conference will have Austin, Houston, Utah, Glendale, San Diego and Seattle. So split uh, pretty much down the middle.
2: And um, how are you going to decide which of the, how the cross-conferences are going to go? So is everyone going to play um, what, one team from the other conference and they'll either play home and away? And how does that home and away get decided?
0: Yeah, so, so if, if, if you're in New York, for instance, you'll play everyone in the Western Conference once um, and it'll be either home or away. Um, and for, for for next year, it'll, it'll it'll depend on on venue availability and um uh, and weather factors and things like that, and then we'll we'll flip it around for, for 2021.
1: Okay, Nish. Once the season's done, how are you going to decide a champion? What's the conference uh, playoff situation going to look like, mate?
0: Yeah so we're going to we're going to keep the the playoffs um uh, within conference initially so we'll have uh the, the first seed um in each conference gets a bye um and then the second and third seeds in each conference uh will play an eliminator game on June the 13th or the weekend of June the 13th um the winner of that game then plays uh the the the, the winner of each each conference um, in the in the conference final, and then each of uh, each of the conference winners will play in the uh, for the MLR championship shield.
1: Okay, well, th- very similar to what the uh, sporting landscape is used to hear with the AFC and NFC in American football, mate. Talk a little bit then how this dictates to expansion. Now that you've got uh, well geographically located conferences
0: yeah dan we've got we've got a few conversations going uh going on with respect to expansion but um i wouldn't say that they're they're tied to tied to conferences um they will be determined more based on the market itself uh the ownership group and and the rugby base in those cities uh we're excited about some of the conversations going on um but but uh, and I think we can we can realign the conferences if need be uh, but we wouldn't want to tie tie us down to to, to conference related expansion
2: so Sanesh so I'm, I'm now sort of'm taking some notes and thinking about this and I'm thinking about this like a coach and so when when you know you look at this um, season which basically is going to be um, compressed but actually compressed at the start but not at the end right so it's later at the start and but it's not that much later at the end so therefore there's only going to be one buy how do you determine sort of where that buy is are we going to see again teams like toronto and boston like being on the road for the first month or so like how do you how do you guys go about kind of like the mechanics of it because as a coach, I'm already thinking about like how this might affect my preseason, how I do that the prep, and with only one buy, when that buy is becomes really critical.
0: Absolutely, and uh, and this was uh, part of the discussion while while putting together the the um, the conferences, um, as well as the schedule. We recognize that that the one buy is a significant dip from from the three that we had this year, but we did think that it made more sense from a from a commercial perspective, um, what we would will do with that buy is make sure that it's after a minimum number of games, so that it's really a break in the season for the teams. Um, and and we use a great software called uh, called GotPro. They they worked with us last year, um, and they work, they're working with us again uh, this year. Um, so a lot of it will will deter a lot of the the the, the cold weather team, so to speak. Uh, their schedule will obviously be determined by weather and venue availability, uh, but but as far as the buy goes, we're definitely looking at uh, at having it after a, a minimum number of games to make it effective for the teams.
2: So so Nish, um, as you as you look at this, you know there's there's the and and as you wear many hats, you know you can look at this from the competition side, but you also begin to look at this at the commercial side. So how do you think moving to the conference um, model helps sort of the commercial opportunities for the leagues, but also um, sort of the the operational function of the league. Obviously it's gonna um, allow for some reduced
0: costs. Yeah, reduced costs is one for sure. Um, just, Just lesser travel um uh, i think toronto and new york will be will be pretty relieved and um that they don't have to travel as much as they did uh this year um the 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 rivalries that i spoke about uh, last year is one thing that we'd like to play up on in terms of marketing and then touching on something that dan said uh earlier it, we we did have a discussion about um about Uh, how the conferences would be split up and and the playoffs as well. And we wanted to stick with something that was familiar to the American sports landscape. And that helps both our existing fans as well as our prospective fans to understand the competition um, much easier. And and, and that was a conscious decision.
2: Well, Nish, thank you so much for taking the time. For both of us, it's uh, pretty late In New New York right now in the evening, but we uh, we appreciate you taking the time and all the work that you've put in for Major League Rugby, and this looks like an amazing setup for the second season. I mean, I think we were all sorry for the third season. I think we were all excited for um, the second season to happen. I mean, that's good, but it looks um, looks like uh, Major League Rugby is really building some strong foundations. So we appreciate you taking the time to um, explain the new. Uh, conference um, set up and scheduled for 2020
0: my pleasure guys and um, i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't uh, t- didn't thank you guys for what you do obviously um, we move into season three and beyond only with the with the support of, uh, of folks like you that that, that 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 help us publicize it so um, thanks to you guys uh for, for all you do um both uh, pete, pete and dan from a commentary perspective and then Aaron behind um Behind the scenes. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, you guys are awesome. Great. Hey, we'll Nish, have a great just
1: even, Nish. Sorry, Nish, before you leave us, uh, people listening in, can they get more details on this uh, conference's usmlr.com? Would that be the best place to go from here?
0: Yep. usmlr.com, as well as all our social media, is at usmlr. Um, yeah. Like, uh, share our pages. Um, just, just, just helps us grow the game.
1: And uh, full release expecting any day now on those uh, all those platforms absolutely nish you are a champion thanks again for coming in so late on a uh, wednesday night mate we truly appreciate it and i will catch up with you in a couple of weeks out there in uh, new york
0: see you soon dan thanks a lot
1: and there you go pete exciting news and you know much uh, with the expansion this is, I, in my personal opinion, I think this is a great move. Uh, it helps build the rivalry, and then commercially, I think it allows the conferences to propose, you know, regional sponsorship deals and keeps down travel costs as well. Which uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people realize just how enormous those costs can be uh, over the stretch of a 16-week season.
2: And and, he, and and you know, as much as it is for travel cost, it's also better for player welfare, right? So if I'm in um, DC. And, um, you know, we have an afternoon game and I'm from Toronto. I can get back to Toronto that night. Right. And so that gives me an extra day recovery for the following week, as opposed to if you're in San Diego and you need to get back to Toronto, it you know, you're going to lose. It, it's going to take a day to get there, a day to get back. You don't train so well, you don't recover so well. So I think the regional setup. Makes a ton of sense. I think it makes ton uh, makes sense commercially, as you've said. I think it makes sense operationally, and I think it makes sense on the rugby pitch.
1: I do like the playoff structure as well. I think that uh, conference playoffs it really adds to uh, adds to it as well. I don't think you're going to see, you know, in some competitions where you do the crossovers and number one plays, you know, number three. From the other conference, and sometimes as, as we 've seen in many competitions, the difference in, in talent and ability from one to three can sometimes be quite a chasm so I like this I think it adds to the uh, you know the tribal rivalry of you know west coast east coast and and really builds up to for lack of a better term that super Bowl type uh, championship game
2: yeah i, I mean I, i'm excited i, I you know I, I think what's interesting is if you look at it. Um, you know what you have in in terms of the competition right now. You know you have um, New Orleans, New York, and Toronto, all in um, all in the East. And so this this year that could be three of the top four. So you could look at it and you could say, well, the East really is like is, is going to be really strong. And and you know we already know that that the, the, the uh, um, New England Free Jacks that Boston is going to be strong. They've been playing their games against the uh, um, uh, the Irish provin- Provincial Developmental Team. So we know that's going to be um, strong. There's Tiger Rugby behind Atlanta. Um, DC is has their relationship with the Scottish Rugby Union. So, you know, you look at the East and I, that's going to come out. It's going to be the beast of the East, I think. That That's going to be really strong. But there's still strength in the West. I think the, you know, the Texas teams are going to continue to grow. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if the strength that comes from year one or the weakness that comes from year one that came into year two is also going to go into year three.
1: You should get uh, you should get some marketing rights on that. We've got the beast in the East versus the best in the West, 2020 <laughs> championship MLR. You've just tagged it right there. There's our pump sign. I love it, Pete. And yeah, and and you've got those local rivalries and then like the New York boss and in the sports landscape is, is you know, is, is older than sports itself in, in the USA. Now you've got a Southern rival as well, Atlanta versus Noel. You can play up, you know, who's the best in the South. And, you know, your West Coast, you've got the Battle of, you know, Seattle, San Diego, Glendale, Utah as well. The Texas one stays the same. I'm really glad to see Austin, Houston, keep in there, regional, and you can really start developing some of these rivalries. I think it's a great move. And uh, we, we'll definitely... You know, keep up to date on this, and as it as it develops towards next year as well.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. But we had an amazing weekend of rugby. I mean, points, points, points. It was it was nuts out there. With I mean, every defensive coach in the, the um, Major League Rugby is scratching their head. But for the fans, I don't think we've had a weekend that has been as dynamic as the weekend we just No,
1: had. I think if we dig into the stats as we go through these games, Pete, the missed tackle number might be quite high <laughs> this week. And, uh, yeah, but you know what? It's exciting in its own right. You know, sometimes those closed games can be exciting. And on the flip side, you know, I think this is good for the game, for new fans to see some of these games. And, and there are some big scores, but there's not the blowout, right? Both sides are really scoring, which means they're playing some attacking rugby. The ball's getting thrown around and and people are going to be genuinely excited to watch that style of rugby. So um, I'm a fan either way. I, I enjoy the tight games. I enjoy games like this as well. But let's just dig into it, Pete, because it started in Utah. It was the Seattle Seawolves taking on the Utah Warriors and a high scoring game, 48-36. The Seawolves ended up getting the win, but the Warriors, they looked like they'd finally put themselves together in the first half, Pete. They started very strong in this one.
2: Yeah, they did. I mean, I think I think that you know, for me, the the Warriors are a, a little bit of a um, uh, a, it's it's a bit of a um, enigma to me because I see the you know, you look at people like um, you know, you look at the players, the Matt Jensens. I mean, I think um, Franco um, Vandenberg had a, a really great game um at at said you look at um, John Cullen um, Dom Paddy just an, an, a great played um a great player to watch, you know, they've got the players, but I think the big thing for Utah was it was the game that Josh Reeves came back and um, having Josh Reeves back gives you a a better kicking game. And I think they, um, they leveraged that uh, more effectively. They were very even in terms of um, territory with Seattle. But I think most importantly, it allows you to move um, Tim O'Malley to 12 and, um, Tim O'Malley and Gannon Moore. I mean, Gannon Moore in that first half was just phenomenal. But he was phenomenal because he had a playmaker inside him. And that's why they were able to really you know, start hard and um, get that lead against Seattle.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to find their rhythm, Pete, because with Josh Reese at 10, you've got a good distributor, good kicker. And it allows O'Malley just to take a step and, as you know, just to get a little bit further away from the traffic and be creative. And Gannon Moore was the you know, the big beneficiary of that in the first half. He ran for 156 metres for the game, which is really good for the outside centre. But we got to see that creativity from O'Malley that we probably missed a little bit when he played 10 because he was just a little bit tight in the traffic there. But the Seawolves, outstanding. Brad Tucker, well, I've got, a, I've got big wraps on Brad Tucker and he continues as he makes team of the week again on the back of two tries, uh, 13 carries with 85 meters there. And again, just an immense day tackling, 24 tackles with only two misses. So incredible performance. And Matt Turner, there were some injury clouds over him, but good to see him back as well. He had a big game with 190 meters for the Seawolves.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big difference, I mean, you know we're in that part of the season where depth is being tested, and I think that there was a bit of a rotation that the Sea Wolves did. You know, um, Eric Duchelle that has been uh, um, that's been started, um, um Nacatini who's been a starter. Like I think they 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 had some rotations, and um, you know I think that they gambled a little bit with that rotation, but that allowed them to really bring bring players off the bench. Um, and, you know, when they were able to bring those powerful players off the bench, I think that made, um, you know, a huge difference. And I know that when, you know, we were having our discussion, because one of the interesting things about the Seawolves is sort of like the Phil Mack, um, J.P. Smith discussion at Scrum Half. And me, um, and Aaron were chatting during the game, uh, um, you know, texting each other. And, you know, it's interesting because they're very different Scrum halves. It's not one better than the other. Um, and you know, I think Aaron mentioned that JP Smith is just a great player to up the pace when he came off the bench, and that's exactly what he did. And that's like bringing those players off the bench and then being able to play from sideline to sideline. I think was the, uh, the the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be frustrating for both those players. I think they both want to get the nine jersey and start but Richie Walker is going to have to make decisions based on who they're playing. That's my feel on the Seawolf situation right now that there's going to be some teams where Phil Mack is really going to be the guy you want out there and there's other ones where you want that speed and J.P. Smith's going to provide it, obviously, younger legs for the Seawolves, but it's going to come on a game-by-game basis, which is going to be frustrating and it's going to be a challenge for those players, but as long as they're integrated well and they're communicating and they can stay on the same page as everyone and sync quickly... You know, It could be dangerous as the Seawolves come down the stretch here and get healthy. Uh, they welcome back Vili Tolithahu shortly, which will add another dimension to that back row as well. So, yep, good win for Seattle. a One they really needed on the road too to stay in touch with the top four because that is uh, becoming very, very tight, that top four race. And another team that is involved in that race were the Glendale Raptors. And we thought 48-36 was a blowout. Oh, not a blowout, a high-scoring game. Well, the Raptors and the Houston Sabercats, they broke all sorts of records on Saturday night as the Sabercats led 32 points to zero. That's right, folks, 32 points to zero before losing 52-44. And Pete, this one was just a bizarre game of rugby but enjoyable nonetheless.
2: Well, I mean, I think this is sort of one of those games that, you know, me as a rugby, um, you know, as you were talking about it, it down, I was shaking my head. I mean, this was not a good game of rugby. I don't think either teams played really well. But if you want to sell Major League Rugby to the non-rugby fan, this is the sort of game that will do it. I mean, it was exciting, it was dynamic. I mean, fundamentally, what happened was Glendale couldn't scrum in the first half at all. And using that leverage, um, Houston, who have a you know a great scrum. But it was basically the only thing that they did. They have a scrum and they've got a great kicker in Sam Windsor. But two penalty tries in the first, I think it was like 13 or 14 minutes, and then a yellow card, which allowed more scores. I think another try is what it really allowed them to pull out. But as Glendale, I think, began to use some of their depth and you know was able to try and find some solutions, they weren't winning great ball. But as they began to give away less penalties, as the game went on, they were able to get into it. It was it was a crazy, crazy game, um, and it's got to be a heartbreaker for Houston. Yeah, I, I
1: yeah, you know, I'm just trying to rack my brain and think of a game where a side had 32 point lead and lost it, and nothing comes to mind. Really doesn't. So <laughs> it, it was one of the most bizarre games, and the crazy thing was is you'd think. Well, it's a total momentum swing, and they got blown out. They almost come back and win it again after the giving up right. the lead. Sam Winter chips over and you know there's a confusion between d t s and one of the wingers. I think it was harley Davidson um and he scores a great individual try and they're back in it. They was a the chance to win it late, and then Glendale close it out with two late ones. I was like what what am I watching here?
2: yeah, I mean it was uh it 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 really was crazy and and that's why I feel like you know. Um, it, it's the second game that Glendale have won right at the death. Um, they're not playing their best rugby. Uh, they they have a real problem because they're they're a team that likes to play fast and flat, which means that they, all, you know, they always have high handling errors. So I think they had twelve handling errors in the game um, against Houston, which means there's going to be more scrums. I mean, they had nine penalties against their scrum. I mean, they, it was, uh, it, it was nuts. I mean, I think that they, um, you know, I think that they ended up with winning, you know, like one scrum or something. I mean, I think that they completed 33% of their scrum. It was just, but that was it. Like from Houston's perspective, if they didn't have that, they weren't able to play with Glendale. And Glendale showed that once they were able to leverage the other parts of their game.
1: Yeah. And you could see that, 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 if you dig into the statistics, Glendale only made 92 tackles to 195 by the Sabrecats. So there's some aspect of that game, which turns out with the scrum was, was the leak in the boat. And that's where they'll, you know, giving up their points, you know, Houston missed 34 tackles, which is incredibly high and explains that comeback and 52 points to the Raptors. But, uh, you know, for, for Dave Williams and Glendale, the challenge now is how do we fix that? Because, the San Diegos, the Seattles, the New Yorks are not going to give the opportunities that Houston gave them to get back into a game like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because they uh, um, they added um, another Kiwi who I thought played really well in number eight, um, Murphy uh, Taramai, but that's not where their challenge is, right? So um, the other Kiwi they brought in early um, earlier, which is um, a tight head, uh, Marco um, Lee, he has not... You know, he started for Auckland. He was the starting tight end for Auckland in the the 10, but he has not been able to come here and shore this up. And you can just see they are trying to mix and match each weekend and trying to find a front row that works. And, uh, um, you know, they, they haven't found one yet. And I, I agree with you. I think the scrum is going to be the thing that um, I think it, it, it may keep them out of the top four. Um, you know, uh, it, it'll be uh, – it'll be hard to even make the top four with the quality teams around them if they're not able to scrum.
1: Yeah, well, moving on to Sunday. Well, we got the christening of uh, York Stadium up in Toronto. I said it was going to be the place to be, and they put 3,000 fans in the stands there, and it was looking like it was going to be a great homecoming for the majority of this game for the Toronto Arrows. But a late try for Nola Gold got them a win on the road. And just like the first game between these two, it was a heartbreaker late for Toronto. as Nola. They ran away with a very, very important win on the road, 35-31 over the Arrows. This one, definitely the closest game of the weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I also thought this was the highest quality game. I mean, I think that we saw, um, you know, momentum swings. And that's one of the ways that I kind of judge if the game is, um, is high quality or not, is are we getting the momentum swings? You know, when a team has the, um, uh, the momentum, are they able to keep it? And I think that we saw that, that we saw these different um, momentum swings. You know, it was interesting to see sort of like the uh, Hubert Bidens and Eric Howard playing this game. You know, Bidens used to play with a lot of these guys and ends up getting the try. Um, but, you know, we're learning more and more, you know, personally about the um, the Arrows players. And I thought Mike Shepard um, had just another phenomenal game um, in the second row. He's, he's not the biggest guy, but he, um, you know, made 15 tackles and no misses. And I thought that that was the thing. That was the interesting thing for me about this game was that um, they Toronto made nola work they um you know they made 249 tackles and they missed 10 and nola wasn't used to it so nola loved they have a great play they move it from one side to the other side and they were stretching them but that toronto defense was hard for them to break down and i don't think we've seen a defense play as well as the toronto defense did in that game
1: not well 96 percent tackle effectiveness in that game which is outstanding and the way nola played pete as you know they can really hurt size by you know the way they move the ball. They're such a great, uh, great backline in particular, moving that ball, and their forwards interchange well with the tip on. So for Toronto, really not to crack that much. They still gave up 35 points and lost a game, but that's uh, one thing. If I'm the coach, in particular, defensive coach, I'm circling that on the whiteboard on Monday and saying, you know what? Sometimes you're not going to win those games, but you guys, you know, really gutted it out in terms of having to do that many more tackles than our opposition and really keep that game as close as it was. But i got to give credit to, you know, Scott Gale uh, and Con Foley in particular, the way they finished that game out. They were extremely patient at the back end of that game when they were down and needing that try at the end to win. Just veteran, very, very calm, cool, collected plays from both those guys to kind of move the ball and, and be patient against that Toronto defence that had defended phenomenally for 79 minutes.
2: Well, and this is a really, you know, this could be a, a really telling game for Toronto um, because you know uh, they're now looking up, and I think they're, you know, seven points out. Let me let me just pull up the standings there, Dan, because I'm I'm looking at it. So they're now seven points behind the fifth place, and um, eight points behind Seattle in in fourth, and so you know. Um, you know, we talked about how they survived the away games, and now they have a series of home games, and it, it's going to be—you know—they're going to need to um, to make those points up. But of course, you know, they get the Austin Elite and the Houston SaberCats the next two games, and that'll give them a chance to close that gap.
1: Yeah, well, it will be—it will be critical in these next two weeks, Pete, for all these sides. You know, looking through the schedule, there's a couple of top four games. You know, you've got the big one this weekend as San Diego and we'll we'll jump into that a little bit later. But yeah, the next two weeks, I think we'll see a shift, whether there's still six teams in the hunt or we'll only have five teams in the hunt over the next fortnight. So okay, right. it makes for great viewing. But let's you just mentioned the Austin Elite. They played the late game on Sunday. It was the CBS game of the week out there in San Diego. The Legion, they come off that win against Seattle and really needed to get this win at home against Austin. It was a bit of a danger game. We talked about that last week, that any complacency with the improving Austin elite could be, uh, could be punished, and they were not punished. They did the punishing themselves, 45-15, and San Diego, they looked outstanding. They're really starting to click, and for me, if I'm in the top four, I'm looking over my shoulder at the San Diego Legion. As a team, I do not want to play down the stretch.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I thought this was um, this was a really interesting game for me. I mean, I think there are some of these San Diego players. I mean, I think you know Sam Wuching really is growing into Major League Rugby. Um, you know, with Nate Osberger, it, it's it's funny. You know, you look at him as a scrum half, but he he does so much around the field. I I I mean, I, I would actually say that probably. Um, you know, Rob Hoadley, who in his soul as a defense coach will look at this and they'll say, you know, we we missed 32 tackles, right? So they made 116, they missed 32, 83%, and we only gave up 15 points. And that's because they've got so many good athletes in their back line that they're able to cover it. And for Austin, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, this some of this stuff that, you know, they, they really looked like they were improving, they were bringing players in, but you know, there was that Ryan Matias score where um, uh, Tori Alba tried to clear and literally Ryan Matias caught the ball. And I don't think there was anyone within 20 yards of him. And he I mean, he ran, but I think he could have probably just walked over the line. The lack of kick chase on that, I, I you know, that's that's something that that you drill at practice. Like you develop your kick chase over time. And I think there was another kick um, pretty close after that by. Silver that also didn't have a good kick chase I mean you know that I think these guys are like you know I, I think that this was a this was a hard loss after the improvements that they've made I think that they were really exposed in this game
1: yeah I agree so I, I, I didn't know if to put that down to a communication thing with Austin where they didn't know he was kicking or they lost the ball you know sometimes if you're clear and San Diego there that that field runs east-west, so the sun starts to drop. It was nighttime. Though. Well, it was dark, so that's not it. But that was bizarre. And I'm sure as, a, as a, that's a coach killer, right? You're scratching your head going, well, I, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, that was just bizarre. I don't know if it was a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of interest, or what it was. But I don't think we'll see too many more tries as easy as that. Ryan Mattis, he'll take those every day of the week if he can get them. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a clinical performance from San Diego. I really thought they needed to show that they can win those games, and they got out there and really did it. Another outstanding performance from my midseason inside centre JP Duplessis. Eventually, you'll respect JP Duplessis, Pete. But uh, another great game from him there in the twelves.
2: Yeah, yeah, But let's let's be honest. I mean, I think the difference maker for. Um, uh, for San Diego I think the player that's made the biggest difference for them this year is um, Patty Ryan at Tighthead, And, you know, it's, he is just, you know, he, he, his work rate around the field is, is, is phenomenal. Like he made 11 tackles um, and he's only on the field for 50 minutes. So, you know, I just think I, I just, every time I watch him play and I love the fact he has a bit of an edge, like he isn't willing to take a step back. And um, you know, he's uh, um he's willing to knock you down and uh um you know knock you down again. So uh he to me, he's he's the player that I love to watch. And I look, Duplessis is a great player. He really is a great player. I just don't know that he's played his best yet, but he did play well in this game.
1: I'm just taking little shots, Pete. You know, I gotta get some back. You you're always so hard on me. I figured if I get a chance I'll I'll fire back. But you talked about Patty Ryan. You can tell when a player is, is making an impact on a league by listening to what his opposition say about him. And uh, around the league, there's not too many people that enjoy playing against Paddy Ryan right now. So he he's uh, definitely making a statement on this league, just as Tim Metcher did last year. I think Paddy Ryan is doing that in 2019.
2: Well, I, I think that's right. And, and you know, what's, what's funny is when we reflect on the hundreds of points that were scored and, and, and we reflect on the – um, you know, on, on the top players, we didn't even mention the player of the week when we were talking about Glendale and Houston, because that game was so crazy, but the, um, the, the comeback of that, when there were 32 points down was yet another try by John Ryberg. And I think he went on to get two more in that game. And, uh, you spoke to him earlier, Dan.
1: I did. Player of the week, John Ryberg, who got himself a hat trick against Houston, and I had a chance to chat up a little earlier. Here's uh, my time with the man known as Muscles. Joined now by Glendale Raptors winger and player of the week for Major League Rugby, Johnny Muscles-Ryberg. And Muscles, really appreciate you joining the show, my friend.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem, mate. And, and surprise, it's actually taken this long for you to get the nod. 2019 has been a fantastic year for you, mate. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your struggles last year because you had some injuries, injury issues for 2018. Must have been frustrating. How have you uh, approached 2019, and can you put anything uh, down to, to explain your great start to the year?
3: Yeah, so first year of MLR, I just kind of – uh, our last preseason game I actually tore my hamstring pretty good, and you know it was a horrible, it was a very frustrating injury, and it just took me a while to come back. And I was kind of maybe in a maybe like an injury bubble for a little bit. You know, maybe came back too soon. It was just kind of a frustrating year. And then you know this season, I actually, we uh, switched from being part time playing to doing a uh, full time rugby. So I'm there, you know, in the mornings, all the training. So I feel like that's helped a lot this year, and just you know being healthy.
1: Well, mate, let's talk a little bit about this season. In particular, this previous game that got you the player of the week nod. Crazy game at, at Infinity Park there. You go down 32-0. Can you give us a little insight to what Dave Williams said to you guys at halftime?
3: You know, thirty, yeah, going down 32 nothing's not how you want to start. And I think he just pretty much said that we need to come out there and start playing and just take a hard look in the mirror and just see like – what kind of team we are. And then I feel like we kind of just came out and decided to play and we limited the mistakes. We scored some great team tries and got the result in the end.
1: I appreciate you uh, toning it down too. I'm sure it was a little bit more, I'll say passionate, yeah. but uh, there may have been a few other words thrown in there as well, I'm sure.
3: Maybe a few, yeah.
1: So you come out in the second half, And you personally, mate, you end up with three tries. You you get two in the first, uh, back into the first half in the third. Talk me through a little bit about your mental preparation going into a game, Johnny. What is your checklist as a winger? Because you play a very, very different game to normal wingers. So what is your checklist that you go into a game? What are the boxes you want to tick over 80 minutes for your performance, mate?
3: You know, so being on the wing is sometimes it's hard to get yourself involved in the game. So I was trying to get myself involved early, you know, early touches, early, you know, early tackles, you know, just trying to be and get myself into the game, you know, early on. And then, you know, and then just sometimes you get a few opportunities and you need to capitalize on those opportunities that you do get throughout the game. And this past game, I thought I did pretty good at doing that. Oh, mate,
1: I think you're being very, uh, very modest here. So. I'll pump the ties up for you. Let's go let's go through your stats in 2019, Johnny. And listen, listen to these and just soak this up, mate. Nine tries, you lead the league. 18 yeah. line breaks, you lead the league. 79 carries. Now you don't lead the league in this, but I said this one for a reason. You actually rank seventh in carries, which is impressive for a winger. But listen to this one. 1,061 meters gained. That leads the league by a long way. A long way off, just seventy-nine carries. So you're not the busiest guy in terms of touches, but you are in meters game. Twenty tackle breaks, you lead the league. And here's the one that really got me: eight try assists. You lead the league as the winger with tries. So not a fly half, not a fullback, not a twelve, mate. Just going through these. Very look, you're even a little surprised yourself. You're obviously not paying too close attention to your own statistics, but those are very impressive.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on Johnny give me something mate I don't know like uh rugby's a team sport you know it's not one individual out there and I couldn't be doing this without my teammates so that's first and first most but also I'm not gonna lie I'm been happy with the year I've been having I've been you know having some good tries having some good life I've just been fortunate so I don't know I don't like talking about myself too much
1: I'm noticing that let's talk a little bit about your teammates then. all right. Coming in, you're pretty new to the game. You're only 26 now. Uh, Picked it up at 21 out in Iowa. So five years in, you're still, in terms of professional rugby, you know, relatively new to the game. Who have you really looked at and modelled your game around, both, you know, internally at Glendale and then at a a bigger level, like internationally looking around the world at other players?
3: That's a tough question.
1: Uh... No one. No one. Muscles does what Muscles wants to do.
3: Yeah, uh I don't know. There's been a lot of players, especially like Glenda, like uh Chad London, he's been here the whole time. You know, he's always been helpful. Like and then like someone like Atom Alifa, he's what been monumental and just like helping me just in my Because when I first got here my passing's horrible. Still not that great, but he's helping and then just you know, just watching them and like watching people like Dylan and Will just kicking and just trying to copy them and you know, and you just pick up a lot of stuff. Then internationally, I don't um, – I've. what really got me into rugby was watching the All Blacks, so I'm probably going to have to go with my Nanu. I just love his his game, his veracity, and just everything about what he did and what he's still doing, actually, today.
1: Yeah, big physical ball carrier just like yourself there. You're a uh, bit of John Alamu as well.
3: I don't know about that, but yeah.
1: I like to have people on the show and just compare them to the absolute pinnacle of the game, just you know, so they feel good about themselves. There you go. How are you feeling now? Pretty good.
3: Yeah, <laughs> pretty good.
1: Well, mate, let's talk about the team then, because it's it's like uh, pulling teeth here, trying to get you to talk about yourself. And yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a good job of that next time I have a Glendale game. I'll talk you up. But halfway through the season, you guys find yourself in second place. Uh, a couple of draws on there as well, so it could be a little better, but. A little bit of a rocky start to the year for you guys. Uh, any explanation on why you were a little slow out of the gates, but, you know, and, and what it took to kind of find your rhythm?
3: You know, uh, when we missed those, uh, our ARC guys, so that hurt quite a bit. And then it's just, I just think it was inconsistency. It's just dip, you know, highs and lows during games and just one week would be good somewhere here. We would dip there and then we try to fix it next week and then it would be like vice versa and we just couldn't get the complete game done and we, you know, a couple losses, a couple ties were the result of that.
1: You've had a chance to, to see all the teams in the MLR now, mate. Who's Who's been the toughest team that you've played against so far in 2019?
3: Uh, toughest team, I would have to say uh, San Diego and we're actually playing them uh, after the bye. So look forward to that one. You know, their defense is great. You know, they don't take plays off. They come up – as one line so they're you know they're hard to break
1: yeah they are the number one defense in mlr at the moment they are playing great rugby out there what about personally mate what about the toughest individual battle for you who's been the other winger in the league that you've really enjoyed going head to head with so far
3: Uh, i can't really say that i've had one too much where we actually battled it you know one-on-one too much but i look forward to anybody that wants to challenge me
1: I tell you, I think there might be a couple of wingers who might mention your name for the one they don't want to play against, Johnny. You're a big physical guy, so uh, a couple of wingers going to bed at night, checking for John Ryberg underneath there before they close their eyes. What do you think? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, mate. Let's talk about the rest of the year. You run home. You've got quite a few home games. I was actually talking to uh, your teammate, Zach Finolio the other day about this and going over the run home. How many wins do you think you guys need to book yourself a place in that semifinals? What, have you guys sort of looked through the schedule yet and said, you know what, we've got to really win this one, this one? And uh, you know, how do you see yourself, guys, getting into the finals at the back end of the year?
3: You know, looking at the league this year, we we got to look at every week like it's a must-win game almost just because the competition so stiff. Everybody, anybody can beat anybody any given week and you can see at the points, the it's tight at the top, and, you know, every point matters. So I feel like that's the attitude we got to bring to every game. Is, is, um, you know, I don't want to say must win, but it's almost a must win. And yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at it and how I think everyone else is looking at it on the team.
1: Yeah. What about some of the new additions you've had to the side this year? Uh, DTS at fullback, he's been a bit of a revelation. Uh, so you've got some new blood come in. Also, up front, and then uh, Big Will Munro, Who's been the uh, the best teammate that you've brought in this year?
3: Well, personally, probably Dylan, just because, you know, he's the fullback, so we spent quite a bit of time together. And even though he never passes me the ball, yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he, we have a little running joke. He likes to go to the right side of and, you know, give the little offload pass to Harley, but he doesn't get to do that to me. So, uh, yeah, and – this boot's amazing. He can bomb the ball like no other. And he's been a great addition to the team. All yeah, of them I have.
1: I think he's second in the league for kicking meters, uh, which is quite incredible considering you know, you've know you got Will McGee at 10 as well who does quite a bit of kicking, so he's proving quite lethal at the back there. He doesn't have to pass you the ball, big fella. You're killing it without him passing the ball. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So let's talk end of the year, mate. You make the finals. You're uh, – Come June, you're in the in the championship game. How do you guys turn things around from last year and that loss to Seattle? I know you weren't part of that game. That must have been frustrating for you. What have you guys done differently this year to to change course and win it?
3: This attention to detail. It's just getting, you know, the little things right because it can be, you know, one knock on, one little drop pass, a missed tackle that can, you know, affect the game and be a complete momentum swing and, you know, lose a little focus and that could be the championship and if you watch the championship last year that's kind of what happened we were on top the whole time you know it was looking good for most of it and then you know we just had a little dip a few airs, and then you know that losses the championship
1: all right mate a little bit on the lighter side here tell us about dominique
3: dominique okay so dominique was a uh, uh, what was that? I was a freshman in high school and I uh, saw a little banded a little gooseling just banded on a pond just yapping his little mouth off and I went and picked it up and like didn't know what to do couldn't find his mother so I decided to bring it home and kind of raised it and just it would follow me everywhere thought I was his mother It would, wouldn't swim unless I got in the water with it so I had to go into a bunch of ponds and stuff like that and then eventually got too big to live inside made a little pen outside and then it learned how to fly and flew away and that's about that's about the story did, it's did like that, uh, the, the movie uh fly away home it's pretty much you know yeah yeah pretty we, much without there
1: I'm, I'm gonna go to major league rugby and see if we've got money into the budget what would you say if i can get a reunion with you and dominique let's do it that's a great feature piece. You remember the one with the uh, the guys who raised the line and they sent it back to Africa and then they go back and there's the big reunion, they're all hugging. and We oh, could yeah. do that with you and Dominique.
3: Yeah, and there's that one moment where you think the lion's going to – you don't know if it's going to hug them or going to eat them and then it runs up and gives them a big hug.
1: Oh, tearjerker.
3: Got me hard. going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we're under some gold here, John. We should do this with the you and Dominique, the goose. Yeah. I'm, so no other no other animals you've reared since then? It was a one and done? Uh, Heartbroken?
3: I've had plenty of pets over the years, but yeah, that's the most odd one, I would say. So
1: if you had to pick a teammate who you could save who needs saving, needs to be raised and, and reared and some tender love, who would it be? Who's the most lost soul at the Glendale Raptors?
3: Oh I think we're all a little bit lost and not right in the head, but let me think. Uh, probably Carlo, the little
1: scr- our little scrum half, little yeah. Sean J- Davies Junior. Yeah,
3: he's got a lot of potential. He just needs to be pushed in the right direction.
1: Yeah, uh, is it true that Sean's actually his father, or is that is there any truth to that?
3: <laughs> no no you can't concern. No <laughs>
1: no. Oh, I don't think Sean's that old. He just he just he's well aged. He's he's had a rough upbringing. I think. Well, big fella, appreciate you taking some time out of your night. I know you guys are running full time now, and uh, you got the bye week. So Davey's probably touching you, uh, touching you guys up with some conditioning. So we do appreciate you coming on the show, and really have enjoyed watching you this year, mate. Your outstanding uh, start to the year.
3: Yep, thank you, and uh, thank you for having me. Look forward to uh, the rest of the season.
1: But I'll see you in uh, two weeks when you take on New York at home, mate. Can't wait to get back to Infinity Park and call you guys.
3: Sounds good. We can't wait to see you.
1: Cool. Thanks, Muscles. Johnny Ryberg, player of the week for Major League Rugby. And there you go, Pete. Johnny Muscles Ryberg. <laughs> and such a, mate, just an, a unique player on the wing. You know, we've seen some big barging wingers, but he's just, he's a handful. He really is. There's no uh, better way to put it. He's just such a handful for opposition players.
2: Yeah, and his power and contact is, I think, the real difference maker. He's not the guy that's going to sidestep you. He has a little wiggle, so he avoids the shoulder, and then you've got to wrap your arms around. I don't think you can can wrap your arms around both of his thighs. They're too big. I think you can only wrap your, your arms around one of his thighs and then just hold on for dear life.
1: Well, I have called him the quadricep with eyeballs. He's uh, he's all legs. And those poor little shorts, I feel so bad. Someone's got to get him some custom rugby shorts. Those things are painted on. Well, Pete, let's focus on this week, mate. We've got four games again, and a couple of them uh, are really, you know, big in terms of the race for the finals. But we kick things off on the 13th. There's two games on the Saturday, starting with Utah taking on NOLA. And that game will be on Cox Sports and ESPN Plus down there in New Orleans again. And I'm guessing New Orleans is probably starting to get a little warmer this time of year as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this is, I think, you know, we have to be careful because um, the, t- the, the season has been pretty unpredictable. Um, And and where it's not, even if it's not unpredictable in results, it's unpredictable, at least in competition. So I think Utah come off a tough loss, but also a better performance. I think that they um, pressure uh, Nola Gold, but I just don't think their defense can hold Nola Gold the way Toronto did. I mean, I think this is a... um, um, a relatively easy win. And let's 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 just remember one of the challenges that Nola Gold had against Toronto that made that game a little close was the fact that Toronto had a big edge in the scrum, was able to get a lot of penalties and really push the Nola scrum around. I don't think Utah have a scrum that can do that. Um, and I think that's also a concern that Nola Gold have once they get into the playoffs. So for me, I think this is Nola Gold. Um, I think Utah play a good game, but I think this is Nola 34-20.
1: And this is the uh, the rematch of the uh, Snow Globe game out in Utah, 21-19. Nick Feek scores the match winner at the death. So they got out of Utah by the skin of their teeth there. So, And I know they've had issues with Utah last year as well. They, they went out there with everything to play for it sounds and like It
2: sounds to me like you're calling Utah. That's great. You should definitely call Utah.
1: Stop it. Stop it, Peter. You stop trying to manipulate me into doing what you want me to do. I'm winning the tips too. By the way, yeah, only because leave. of
2: the one weekend that Mark Stabina was stepped in for me. I no, i No,
1: I think I'm still in front. If you take that weekend out, I'm still in front. So it's fine. It's close. I will go. Noel. I think that's a tough road trip for the Warriors to go down there too. And uh, Nola will bounce. You know that that's a good win on the road for Toronto trying to think though weather down there let's see what'd you say 30 something 20 i said 34 20 yeah i think you might be pretty close say yeah, i'll go uh 35 21 there we <laughs> ah, go what I'll is do this? the old, price
2: is right what is, price price is, is right, right yeah
1: <laughs> i'm that i'm that guy and the price is right everyone's like that oh guy the price
2: yeah, is right.
1: yeah. yeah don't do that come on but yeah i'll go uh 35 21 i think new orleans at home too strong for utah
2: Well, the next game is also on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It is um, Seattle at Houston. It is the home opener of Houston at their own stadium. Um, It is on uh, um, Cube, which I think is in Houston. You'll help me out, Dan. It's Root, which is in Seattle. And for the rest of us, it's on Facebook Watch. So home opener for Houston in front of their home ground at their beautiful stadium. You know, I've seen the stuff online. They've said it's not exactly fully ready, but it's definitely going to be ready for this game. What do you think? Yeah, I think
1: it's a soft open. I don't think all the amenities are ready. The field's definitely ready. They've got the grass down, the posts are up. So it's good to play uh, rugby on. I think just the amenities side of things are still developing. You know, Houston Houston have kind of, since that uh, that beatdown they took at the hands of Nola back in March, where they, they lost, I think it was 49-11 down there. You know, they had the emotional win over Utah and then that game against Glendale last week. So they're going to go one of two ways here. I think they could just kind of drop their heads and and take a real beating at the hands of Seattle or they can kind of galvanize and run home here and salvage some uh, credibility from this season. Uh, I, I just like Seattle though. I think they're doing some good stuff. They're on the road a little bit in the next few weeks. So I think I think I remember talking to some of their players and they're gonna actually do the whole week. Like they went from Utah down early to Houston. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making that up, but no. No, I'm confused now. Maybe it's New York they're doing that. Anyway, I'm off track here, Pete. I'll go to Seattle. Uh, high scoring affair down there in the home open. I think the Sabercats Cats will put on a good show for their home crowd at their new stadium. I would love to say they get a win there to christen it, but I think Seattle will be too strong. I'll go 42 uh, 36 in another high scoring game.
2: Well, you know, I think the um, Seattle have a scrum that can match up against Houston scrum. Um, they also have depth. I think the, um, you know, one of the questions we'll see is, is Ali Khalifi able to go? Um, having come off the game uh, um, last weekend with an injury. So um, can he go? But they've still got, like, they had Tim Metcher on the bench, who's like was in both of our um, mid-season um, teams. So I, I don't think, you know, if you can match Houston Scrum, I'm not sure that they've shown us much else. And not only that, but after this, Seattle um, host NOLA and then go to Toronto and then go to New York and then go to Glendale. And so, so I think, I think for Seattle, this is a must win. Um, If I'm Richie Walker, this is the game that I've circled because I've said like, you know, we win this and we don't let the Torontos and the San Diego's creep up behind us. We stay in that top four. So um, I think this is Seattle and because I think that they'll be in a matchup well with Houston in the scrum, I don't think this is close Um, however, Houston have started, um, their last couple of games, they've started very well. Seattle have started very slowly. So I would look for Houston to get a few penalties to be up maybe like six or 10, nothing, um, six or like, yeah, 10 or 11, nothing like with 20 minutes in and then Seattle to put away. So I think this is going to be something like, um, Seattle 28, Houston 12.
1: Okay. That's that's a little closer than I had it. We've gone the opposite way. Next one, we're on to Sunday, and uh, sit down, folks. Grab a cup of tea as I read through the TV listings. So this one's on every station in America. It's on SNY Network in the New York area. It's on Fox Five in San Diego, ESPN Plus everywhere else, NBC Sports in Philadelphia, NBC Sports in the Washington DC area. If you can't find this game, I don't know what to tell you. I can't. And the game
2: is let is San Diego at New York. I was getting to
1: to that. I had to (laughs) get to it. And this, you know, no no CBS game this week, Pete, but this is my game of the week because this one is hugely important. Uh, In particular, San Diego see themselves just out of the top four, but could jump into the top four with a win over New York here. How do you see this one playing out, mate?
2: Well, I mean, I actually see this as, um, in terms of talent, probably the two best teams in the league, maybe with. uh, with with Toronto. Um, I, I think this one is uh, gonna be a, a, um, a, a great game. I mean, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think this is there's gonna be some points. I think there's gonna be some scoring. Um, I think the big question for New York is um, is uh, Cahal Marsh available? That'll be the big question. Um, if he's available, uh, um, coming back from his groin injury. And they're they by week, they want him to play, but we're not sure if he is gonna play. I think that this is a close game. Without him, I'm not sure that they win. Um, but I'm actually, even though it's a long trip, uh um, even though, you know, um New York playing at home, it's a little bit strange for I think visiting teams to go there. It's gonna be one o'clock, um, you know, um, right by the beach, the wind will pick up um Dan, you know, having done one of the games, it's gonna be definitely windy that's gonna be impactful. Um, I'm going to – I think this is going to be San Diego. Um, I think that Joe Peterson, I think his kicking game is going to be important. Uh, I think New York's um, lack of depth in the forwards is really going to um, uh, begin to hurt them. They're going to ask a lot of their forwards, many of their forwards, to play that 80 minutes. But I think it's going to be very, very close. So it's hard for me to pick against New York because I think those are great people. Um, I think I think they're a great team. So This is a bit of a toss-up, but I'm going to go – with san diego 35 and i have to do new york 34 so you can't actually squeeze in between <laughs> and do your prices right so san diego uh, 35 new york 34
1: i I love how your brain works feet it's just always on yeah I, this is mate this is gonna be a tough road trip out to new york you remember it's gonna be 10 a.m on the west coast when they kick off So if I'm Rob Hoadley, I've got training this week. I'm running those guys early and trying to get them somewhat acclimated to performing early in the morning because that's what time it will be when they kick off. So not only is it a long road trip, uh, early game as well. I don't know if that's a bit of genius from James Kennedy uh, or that's just the way it kind of worked out with the scheduling. But it's already a tough road trip. I I think San Diego are the, the hottest team in MLR right now. I really do. And... Mike Taylor coming back, Ryan Matty is coming back, that front row, that scrum. They've got that hard edge and veteran you know, leadership in Lou Stanfill. Sam Wuching, you mentioned him before. Why did he sit out last year? If he would have played last year, his development this year has been unbelievable. Uh, whoever is advising Sam Wuching last year, give yourself an uppercut. Keeping him out of the game was the worst thing you could have done. He needed rugby, and he's shown this year that he could be an absolute wild card down the stretch as as one of the players you can really open this competition up. So as much as you think I would have stayed loyal to my New York brethren with Tolkien and uh, Petri, I'm going to tip against him as well. What? I'm gonna, I mean, I'm I gonna, thought
2: this was exactly the like, – I was so – I was like, okay, I'm going to call you New York because it's going to be a really close game and this is the way I can make up the points I need on Dan on the season. Like, you can't call New San Diego, Dan. You have to call New York so when San Diego wins, I can close the gap.
1: I know, but I've, I have actually have my tips written down. So I did this before I heard what you tipped. I just, I think they're the hot hand. You play the hot hand. And I'll go San Diego, would you say 35, 34? I, I think it'll be around there, mate. I think you're spot on. Uh, I'll go 32, 30, uh, close game. But uh, I think, I think. They're the hot team. And, again, a lot of people depend on Cahill Marsh's, uh, not only his availability, but is he fit. Those groin injuries are iffy. And you may think it's good and you can kind of move around, but as soon as you get going in a game and you you step off that side, it can go. I had issues with uh, groin and hip flexors uh, at one stage in my career, and it was very, very frustrating because you felt fine. You felt good. You got through training. You felt great. Got in a game. Ping. It was gone again. It was... So until he's put a couple of games behind him where he shows he's back to full strength, it's going to be tough to to tip them uh, against quality opposition. So I'll go. I'll go the Legion as well. All right. Oh, you got to do the last game because I have to go first. So I'll let you go.
2: All right. So um, this is on Sunday. It's two p.m. Eastern time. It is the Austin Elite um, at Toronto. For those of us in the U.S., it's on Facebook Watch, and of course, all of these games for our international listeners um, uh, are available on Facebook and in Canada. It is on game TV. It is the Austin elite at Toronto. This is a really tough pick, Dan. I definitely think we're going to disagree on this. Oh, you're going to go for Austin. <laughs> Absolutely
1: not. Okay. Absolutely okay. not. I was just checking. Austin had been improving up until last week and I think they regressed. And I think with Toronto losing their home opener – I would not want to play Toronto this week, knowing that at sixth position, and you mentioned they're kind of looking up at the top four now. This is their season on the line. They cannot afford to lose a game, especially to Austin at home. Uh, I think Toronto turn up. The real Toronto, forget the real Slim Shady, the real Toronto Arrows, please stand up, and they will this weekend and I'll blow them out of the water. I think they could put up another performance like they did against Utah a few weeks ago and and rack up 50 pretty easy. I'll go uh, 52-12. I think it's going to be Toronto. All day, the arrows, they'll be firing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we've seen the best of Toronto yet. You know, they're still adding um, players. So they just added um, Pat um, Parfrey, the Canadian international fly half. But they're like, where's he going to play? Right? Um, you know, they've got Sam Malcolm. Um, you know, he can play a little bit at a uh, um, fullback, but um, Mieres scored two tries. I mean, this is, this is the thing I think that we're going to see in Toronto as the season goes on. They're going to be adding some of these players. They're going to get more and more depth. I don't see um, where Austin score points in this game. Like, I think that, um, you know, they struggled to score points against San Diego. When San Diego didn't defend very well, Toronto showed that they have the ability. To um, uh, have the ability to be able to defend a fast, wide team that can play at pace, um, I don't think Austin do that. Um, I don't think Austin get into double figures. Uh, I think this is going to be, uh, I, you know, it's a, um, it's you know, it'd be interesting to see. I think that Toronto is still working on stuff, but I think you know Austin are going to play hard, but I don't think they're going to get. I think this is something like, you know, thirty-two-nine to um, to Toronto.
1: It's yeah, hard to disagree on that one. So we're across the board; we're the same.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, this is this think. is exactly your way. Like, like you've got a two-game lead, and your deal's going to be, I'm just going to call whatever Pete calls for the rest of the season. So by the end of the season, you still win with that two-game lead. That's obviously what's happening. Like, there's no way you would like. Oh, the whole I wrote it down before I call it stuff. Don't give me that. There's no way you would pick against New York in a game unless you had an ulterior motive.
1: No way. Hey, uh, Major League Rugby teams, take note. This is how you nice the game out. No more kicking it away or giving it over at the breakdown. Take some notes. This is how you get a lead and you keep it. You just... <laughs> All right, Pete. Well, thanks again for staying up, mate. We know well, you're out in New yeah, York. Really appreciate it. And really excited. To this weekend. Yeah. And... Real excited for this weekend. Yeah. Uh, this is my last weekend at home. I've got a run of games after this weekend. So I'm going to sit at home, enjoy my time with the family and watch as many of these games as I can. And I'm sure you and I will be chatting uh, away along with our producer, Aaron Castro's all four games go on over the weekend.
2: Yeah, um, it's going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Penelope gets a, um, my two and a half year old daughter gets a full weekend of rugby again. And for those of you, you know, um, thanks for all the listeners. Thanks to everyone that has reviewed us um, on uh, iTunes or on, um, and please subscribe to iTunes or to Stitcher or to wherever, wherever your podcast is, and leave us a review. That helps other people find the podcast.
1: Yeah, get get after us on social media too. Give us some feedback on it. I've actually almost got a thousand followers on Twitter. I know that's not much in the big picture, like the Kardashian picture, but man, I'm excited to get to a thousand. So get on there and give me a follow and get me over the mark this week. All right, folks, that wraps it up for show twenty eight. Aaron Cash. Yeah, we'll finish. What else you got, Pete? Let's, what let's, else you got?
2: No, let's just I just want to note that we finished on Dan Power um, begging for people to follow <laughs> him on social media. That's how we finished the show. Let's just I just wanted to make that clear just to make sure everyone understood. I'm just a little cranky. It's eleven thirty PM. I need to get to bed. I've just Dan, if I've been overly rude to you um, through the podcast, I apologize. Um, I'll buy you a coffee next time.
1: I'm used to it by now, mate. 991 on that, folks. Get on there. Help me out. Come on, Pete. You can help me too. You've got some people that don't like me that can get on there and do it, at least for a week. (laughs) I can. I can. All right. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next week. We'll go into these games. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, have a great weekend and enjoy Major League Rugby. Till next week, goodbye for now.